Don't think I will even ask you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the most preposterous thing I could ever tell you to do. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Whether you serve him or not, whether you bless him, curse him, hate him, or love him, he is the Lord of your life because God has given him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Some of you will bow out of the grace that has been given to you and others will bow because your kneecaps will be broken by the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron. But I'll not apologize for this God of the Bible. Welcome to the For the King podcast. This is your host, Rocky Ramsey, and I am joined with my co-host on these Sunday episodes, my brother, Bryce. Thanks, Bryce, for being with me again. And want to remind everybody that we are doing this podcast to proclaim the edicts of the king, namely and chiefly that Yahweh reigns. So continuing on our gospel and eschatology and dominion theology series on the Sundays here, we're going to be talking about Psalm 110, verse 1. And we're going to couple that and, and combine that with uh, ideas conveyed in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look at verses 24 through 26. So I'm going to um, I'm going to read them real quick, and then we're going to get into some quick commentary on them, and hopefully we pray and hope uh, we'll edify you guys. So Psalm 110, verse 1 says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Okay. So we want to couple that with 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 26. Actually, I'm sorry, 22 through 26. Sorry, I wrote it down wrong. Starting in verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Okay. So these are two very, very, very important passages in scripture. When we think about Christ's kingdom, uh, what's going to happen in the end, what are we looking forward to? So um, first thing we want to point out here is when we think about Psalm 110 verse one, specifically, this is the, the most quoted Old Testament text in the New Testament. So why is that? Why is it so important? Um, Bryce, any thoughts here? Lead us off. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the reason this is the most important is because the whole centrality of the gospel is resting upon Christ ascending at the right hand of God. So uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, after making purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of the, uh, the majesty on high. Exactly. So if there is no ascension, then Christ is not vindicated. Yeah. If there's no ascension of Christ, then we are still dead in our sins. So Christ's ascension actually proves his threefold office. It proves that he was the true prophet. It proves that he is the true high priest who can die and take away the sins of the world. And it also proves that he's a king who is seated on high over every single authority and principality and power. Yes. So it's essential to the concept of Messiah and who Messiah is. Yeah. And I mean, that's what Christ was winning to himself. He was winning to himself a kingdom. We look at Daniel seven. I mean, that's why the son of man came down and then he was lifted up and exalted to the right, right hand. Like you're saying, 
Um, and he's, and he, what, what's he doing from there? He's ruling and reigning and he's going to make all of his enemies a footstool. So that's what Psalm 10 is clearly portraying. That's like you're saying, that's what the Messiah is to do. So I agree with you. That's why it's so important. And it's quoted very often in the New Testament for that exact point, that exact point talking about the kingdom of Christ. So second point um, we want to, uh, you know, expand on here. This, uh, this dominion idea that we've been looking at in this series, what's it founded upon? What's the driving force of his dominion, of Christ's dominion? Well, like Bryce said, his, his uh, vindication by, by being raised from the dead and then seated at the right hand of the Father. So the resurrection of Christ is that the, the wheel that is turning the mechanism by which Christ's dominion is uh, being won. So dominion only comes through the shed blood of Christ, which is why we've called this series the gospel and eschatology series. That's the only way dominion will happen is through the proclamation of Christ crucified, the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth. You have any thoughts, Bryce, there? Yeah, and this ties in directly to our passage in 1 Corinthians that the beginning, the formal beginning of Christ's uh, uh, crucifixion and resurrection is that he was raised from the dead, that he is now, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, not just an alive man, but he's a life-giving spirit, as it says. Yeah. And he gives life to all. So it, when it leads to uh, the end here, the last enemy that is being defeated um, is ultimately death. So the centrality, again, of this gospel message and this dominion idea of what Christ has come to do is that he does it ultimately through being raised from the dead. Adam only took people down to the dust. That's good. Down to the grave. And now Christ lifts them up and he he raises them. And that's why it says each in their own order, Christ, the first fruits, and after them, uh, they which are uh, they that are Christ's at his coming. So the resurrection is a, a key notion of dominion here, that if there's no resurrection, there's no dominion. Exactly. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I'm honestly just... <laughs> I mean, we had already prepared this beforehand, but I mean, it's just, it's just nice to talk about, like, it's always refreshing to just look at the basics, the fundamentals, uh, the fundamentals of the faith. Christ's resurrection is that hope by which the whole world will be one to himself. I mean, that's just, it's just a, an amazing story, what God's done in history. And we're very thankful for it as Christians. Um, so that's awesome. Thanks Bryce for that. And, and yeah, it's, it is kind of humbling to think about Adam, uh, a, a, a mere man only brought death. He didn't bring life, but Christ, the God man, that is where life is found. So it's just, it's a beautiful story. And uh, it's, it's fundamental. All the things we're saying, I mean, this may seem new to you guys listening. Like this is, it, we're purporting new information, but this is just kind of historic Christianity here. This is really nothing new. Um, so moving on to the third point we wanted to draw out here. Um What's the object of his dominion? Who, who's he having dominion over? We've been harping on this, you know, throughout the series. It's it's all his enemies. That that's what uh, first. Uh, well, both both of these um, texts that we're looking at, but specifically thinking about First Corinthians fifteen verse twenty five. He must reign till he has put all his enemies under his foot. Um, you know that that this is a quotation from Psalm one ten. That's you know like we're saying it's quoted. That that idea is quoted in the New Testament often. And it's quoted here that he's going to put all his enemies underneath him as he reigns from heaven. Um, so, so don't, don't misunderstand us. It's not Christ coming down and uh, ruling from earth. He does rule from heaven and he rules on earth from heaven. And um, 
So the, the last thing um, in this progression of Christ's triumph over all things on earth and in heaven is death being defeated. That's the, that's the very last thing. So even, even Satan's not the last enemy to be defeated. <laughs> you know, even Hades isn't the last enemy to be defeated. The last thing to be destroyed will be death. And obviously Hades and Satan himself, they are, they are both two of the kind of foremost thoughts on our head when we think about death and decay and chaos, right? But death itself, the, the reason for death, that um, will be uh, defeated at, at the, last, the last day, Christ's second coming. So Bryce, you had some good thoughts. Um, can you kind of kick us off, you know, emphasizing the defeat of death? being the last thing that happens and, and how do we combat both, you know, premillennialism, amillennialism, but also this kind of full, full preterism that we've seen kind of uh, come to fruition in the uh, kind of post milk camp the last you know century or so. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the first thing we got to ask is what sort of death is being destroyed here? Is this a spiritual death? Is this a physical death? Well, I think the answer is obviously it's both in, in a sense. Yep. So Adam brought nothing but death and decay to man physically, because Adam physically died and was buried, and Christ was physically raised from the dead. That's yeah. the whole emphasis of him saying to uh, uh, doubting Thomas, you know, put your hands in my side and uh, your, your fingers through the holes of my hands, and pretty much showing him that he died and was raised physically. Um, and we see in Acts chapter 1 of the same way in which Christ ascended, he will also descend. So here, the death that he's destroying is both the spiritual and physical death. It's not just a, a spiritual death, the, uh, the domain or the uh, administration of the Old Covenant as the uh, heretical full preterists or hyper preterists, which I prefer. The hyper preterists would say, um, you know, 2 Corinthians 3, that the Old Covenant is the administration of death. So therefore, death here is only a covenantal spiritual death. Yeah, Christ only destroys that because guess what? He destroys the old covenant. Um, actually, Paul doesn't mention anything here about, <laughs> about the old covenant. So it's just a very weird eisegetical argument that has no founding in this passage. The death that's being destroyed here is the same death that was destroyed in Christ when he was raised from the dead. So he raises people physically from the grave. And that's the whole point of 1 Corinthians 15, if you keep reading, is that it's uh, natural bodies that are shown and then are raised spiritual bodies. And that's spiritual in terms of the Holy Spirit, not non-physical. So that dismantles that idea. And also the premillennial notion of Christ coming back. And then there's a thousand year reign of which death is still reigning. You know, you have people who are living thousands of years and, Baby still being born and lying down with with lambs and with ox and lions and uh, but yet death still persists. Well, hold up. This passage says that when Christ comes back, He comes back after the last enemy is defeated, which is death. <laughs> yeah. So premillennialism is just. Um, I, I prefer uh, Calvin says it really well in uh, chapter three of the Institutes that Chileism or premillennialism is just a. Um, it's just a. a a fanciful doctrine of men that is just too stupid to even consider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I love that quote by him. I know. <laughs> Pretty hilarious, but uh, he also, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not even going to go there, but yes, the uh, it, it's a, it's a big blunder 
um, both the, both the hyper preterist and the primo and the amil. I mean, it's a, it's a huge blunder to say that Christ will, um, you know, he's going to reign until basically the church gets put under everyone else's feet. Um, you know, the, the, this, this dominion is kind of flipped on its head that instead of, you know, Christ having dominion, it's actually Satan and all of uh, Christ's enemy slowly having more and more dominion. And then when the end comes, when Jesus comes back, you know, then he's got to actually defeat them all at once in a really quick moment. <laughs> you know, it happens all at once, you know, in a rush. But actually, it seems when we're reading First Corinthians 15 here with a sober mind, we're actually seeing that um, he's reigning until he puts all his enemies under his feet. And that very last enemy to be defeated is death. So it seems like it's not something that is kind of happens all at once. It seems like it's a progressive thing while he's reigning, all of his enemies are slowly being put under his feet. So it seems like the pre-mill and the amill kind of flips it on its head where it basically, like I said, uh, Satan, the, sorry, the church is put under Satan's feet. It's put under everyone else's feet. That, that's not at all um, what the scriptures teach. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a great point. And and even in connection with this whole thing, we still understand the nature of charity in the Christian church. Just the doctrine being stupid doesn't necessarily mean that our brothers and sisters who hold this doctrine are ignoramuses or dumb, or we should treat them as lesser. Exactly. Obviously, um, some of my favorite theologians, John Gill and Charles Spurgeon, are uh, both premillennial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, we have a very godly brother at church who does a lot to disciple uh, me, I know specifically. So. So, you know, there's really godly men who hold that position. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense with this passage. (laughs) It just doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. And Bryce and I both were, I mean, I was a pre-mill at one point and I'll mill at one point. I mean, I was, I've been everything. So it's not like, uh, Oh, we're so much smarter than other people. It's just sometimes God does open people's eyes at different times to different things, you know? Um, so we, we just have to, you know, bear with one another because, you know, not every Christian has everything right all the time. But so, you know, our, our main point, um, I guess, main takeaways from just looking at these two passages here, like we've been saying, when we looked at Ezekiel, that passage in Ezekiel, I think it was 34 about the, uh, you know, it's the, the water slowly covering the earth. This is a progressive thing. And it happens through the proclamation of the gospel, which is the resurrection of Christ the shed blood of Christ. That's where dominion is founded upon. And he's putting all of his enemies under his defeat, uh, under his feet. And then the last enemy to be defeated is death. Um, we, you know, the church will never be under the, you know, the foot of the crushed serpent, the serpent's been crushed. How can we be, how can we be put under the feet of a, uh, of a, you know, ineffective foe, right? He, he can't, he can't exercise dominion like Christ, Christ can. So um, let's not give, you know, more powers, Satan than what Christ would even, you know, obviously allow him in, in this time and age of redemptive history. So um, I guess that's our big takeaway from this. Bryce, do you have any final thoughts here? And then we'll wrap up. Oh yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. Good. Well, thanks for listening guys. We hope this was edifying and helpful and encouraging. Um, we love you all that listen and we appreciate everybody that does tune in regularly you can, uh, you know, check out more than I'm doing at For the King Pod. I'm on Gab and uh, Twitter, and I have a website, ForTheKingPodcast.com. And if you have any questions or want to interact with the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. 
um, at ForTheKingPodcast at gmail.com. Seriously, would love to have it, more interaction from the listeners. Want to continue to grow this community and make it a place where we can all grow together and knowing and understanding what God's Word teaches and growing in the knowledge of Christ. So thank you so much, guys, for listening to the King of the Ages, immortal, visible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Soli Deo Gloria.